The beauty, the power, the authority, and the supernatural accuracies of the word of God are staggering. These words send forth judgment unto victory, and all those who embrace them will find the doors of magnificent plenty opened unto them. For over 6,000 years, Satan and his minions have challenged, defied, and ridiculed God's holy writ, only to find themselves cast into the dung pile of life, heirs to their father's eternal doom. Satan and his standard bearers have failed at absolutely every level. They have failed sociologically, medically, scientifically, academically, economically, politically, etc., and of course they have failed at the very root, spiritually. But it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus Christ has made a way of escape, a new and living way. This living way requires a covenant with God made by sacrifice, and that sacrifice is surrendering your whole being to the dictums of Christ's holy covenant. The beginning of this glorious journey is called born again. This is a place where you become a new creature, where all your sin and shame is washed away, where you receive a new name, a new father, a new family, a new purpose, a new promise, and a new destiny. This is a place of peace and fulfillment that defies natural understanding. Are you ready to begin the journey, the end of which is eternal life in Christ Jesus? Today is a day of good news for you. Today is your day of salvation. Click on the Further with Jesus for immediate entry onto the highway of holiness. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean, by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air, by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with them into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean beasts, and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls, and of everything that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth, forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah, and Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. They and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, 
and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the face of the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, and in whose nostrils was the breath of life. Of all that was in the dry land died, and every living substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth an hundred and fifty days." Man said, the deceased Carl Sagan, as referred to in Discover November 2006 in the following brief line, devout readers may object to Sagan's presumption that belief should be hostage to rigorous experiment, yet Sagan is often identified with the epigram, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, end of quote. Now the record. The Sagan challenge above suggests that the Bible makes extraordinary claims, and he refers to all belief systems, but lacks the matching extraordinary evidence. He also claims that the scriptures dodge scientific scrutiny. The book reviewer in the Discover article mentioned above also had this to say about Sagan. Sagan seeks truth of a demonstrable kind. As a puckish example, he wonders why the book of Genesis didn't include God-inspired truths. End of quote. True students of the scriptures are left scratching their heads in incredulity. The evidence that supports the extraordinary claims in the Bible is, in fact, extraordinarily massive. The empirical data is truly daunting, and as far as holding the scriptures to rigorous experiment, the Word of God does not flinch. The Word of God endorses and encourages close analytic scrutiny. First Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Presently on God Said, Man Said, there are 338 feature articles making up approximately 2,650 typical book-sized pages certifying the full and complete veracity of the Word of God. We welcome the challengers to offer up their contrary positions. Often their charges are published on this website. In the face of all contenders, God's Word is found in the majority text authorized King James Version is the solid rock. Three dedicated feature articles and three notable references dealing with the mountains of data regarding the Bible's extraordinary claims of the global flood in the days of Noah are hosted on this site, and the information continues to pile up. At the end of this article, we will list the six subjects for your perusal. What is the cause of the blind denial by the ungodly? One science historian, speaking of the worldwide flood, put together the following words. Vulgar notions of a universal flood. Revelation 20 through, uh, 22, excuse me, 10 through 12. And he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. In the scriptures, Noah's name is mentioned 49 times. References to the disaster of the flood of Noah, I am confident, easily exceed the 100 mark. The account is referred to by Moses, Joshua, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Peter, Paul, and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
A special note concerning Methuselah. He was the Bible's oldest man living to the age of 969 years. He died the year of the flood. His name means, when he dies, judgment. Eusebius, the bishop of Caesarea, who lived from 260 to 341 A.D., wrote concerning Noah's Ark. In a 2006 issue of Biblical Archaeological Review, the following passage is found. One of Eusebius's sources, the first century Jewish historian Josephus, tells his readers that the remains of Noah's Ark are still being shown at Mount Ararat. Josephus writes, until now the remains of the Ark are pointed out. End of quote. David Rawl, in his book Legend, The Genesis of Civilization, writes concerning excavations at the very ancient city of Ur. Ur, one of the first cities mentioned after the flood, was excavated by the famed archaeologist Sir Leonard Woolley. The following excerpts concerning Woolley are from Rawls' book. During his famous excavations at the ancient Sumerian city of Ur, between the years 1928 and 1934, Sir Leonard Woolley unearthed a thick alluvial silt deposit deep down beneath the modern surface of the site. At first, it appeared that his workmen had reached virgin soil, upon which the earliest settlement at Ur had been built. But the clean zone of the silt at the bottom of the excavation pit still appeared to be several meters above the surrounding ground level beyond the ruin mound. Woolley was not convinced by his foreman's protestations that their work was finished in the sounding and that it was pointless for him to dig deeper. I do not like having my theories upset by anything less than proof. I told the man to get back and go on digging. Most unwillingly, he did so, again turning up nothing but clean soil that yielded no sign of human activity. He dug through eight feet of it in all, and then suddenly there appeared flint implements and fragments of painted alubate pottery vessels. I got into the pit once more, examined the sides, and by the time I had written up my notes was quite convinced of what it all meant. But I wanted to see whether the others would come to the same conclusion. So I brought up two of my staff and, after pointing out the facts, asked for their explanation. They did not know what to say. My wife came along and looked and was asked the same question, and she turned away, remarking casually, Well, of course, it's the flood. Woolley later described his discovery as 11 feet of clean, water-laid silt within which no archaeological artifacts could be found. This was in direct contrast to the levels immediately above and below the deposit, which were littered with pottery shreds. Analysis of this pottery showed that the sterile layer lay on top of the high-quality Ubaid three pottery phase and within the very last pottery phase of the Ubaid period. In other words, this flood layer almost immediately preceded the Uruk period. It was clear that the agent which brought the sedimentation was water. Microscopic analysis proved that it was water-laid, subject to the action of gentle currents, and it was composed of material brought down from the middle reaches of the Euphrates, End of quote. Again, roll on the flood. I have proposed that Gilgamesh was a kind of the late E.D. 1 period and that Enmerker reigned in the earlier Uruk 4 period. As both these Sumerian rulers came to the throne after the flood, we can only conclude that the, ca the catastrophic, uh, catastrophic excuse me, event remembered in both the biblical and Mesopotamian tradition occurred in the archaeological era known as the Ubaid period, and that Woolley was right all along to identify his silt deposit at Ur with the biblical flood. 
The deluge struck towards the end of the Ubaid period and was probably the catalyst for the important cultural changes which took place in the succeeding Uruk period, end of quote. Hundreds of civilizations have left records of the great biblical flood. If this flood was global, then these records should be unearthed in the Western Hemisphere, and they are. One example is cited by David Rawl on page 181 of his book mentioned above. Until fairly recently, we knew very little about the traditions of the Mesoamerican civilization of the Mayans because their written language had not been completely deciphered. We now discover that they were exceptional record keepers who had developed an historical calendar going back several thousand years. It is therefore of considerable interest to me to know that the date of their cataclysmic flood is given as 3113 B.C., end of quote. Dr. John D. Morse, author, scientist, and president of the Institute for Creation Research, wrote an article in the June 2007 issue of Back to Genesis titled, Where Are Dinosaur Tracks Found? He made the following observation. There seems to be little way to predict where footprints will be found. However, individual tracks and even lengthy trails are usually found near a local stratigraphic high where animals fleeing the rising waters find temporary sanctuary. Evidently, some dinosaurs and other creatures avoided being drowned for several weeks into the flood and were able to leave their footprints in freshly deposited muds, which must then have been quickly covered to prevent erosion, allowing the host material enough time to harden into rock. These sediment layers were among the last to be deposited, and the tracks were left by some of last animals still alive, end of quote. The following two paragraphs are from Creation Magazine under the heading, The Second Greatest Catastrophe of All Time. Many of the world's most magnificent landscapes show patterns more typical of having been formed by massive amounts of water quickly rather than by slow and gradual processes over millions of years. America's Grand Canyon and Australia's Uluru display much evidence in favor of them having been caused recently by the movement of lots of water in a short time rather than slowly as evolutionists believe. In 1980, eruption of the Mount St. Helens volcano and the more recent Icelandic megaflood have given us small glimpses of how much damage large volumes of water can cause to a landscape. Features such as multi-layered sedimentary rock canyons and waterways, which look very old, have been formed in only a few days. End of quote. Extraordinary mounds of data continue to pour in, all shouting the name Noah, but the unbelievers continue to doggedly bury their heads in the sands of denial. In the six previous articles concerning Noah and the Flood, we've reviewed archaeology, ancient history, modern science, geology, paleontology, the fossil record, logistical concerns, etc., and in all instances, Noah stands first. We've also considered that, one, all mountains of the world have been underwater at some time in the past, as indicated by sedimentary rocks and marine fossils near their summits. Two, most of the Earth's crust consists of sedimentary rocks, which are formed almost entirely underwater. Three, all sedimentary formations appear to have been formed rapidly, even catastrophically. The record is clear. God's word is true and righteous altogether. A secular scientist once said, If Noah's Ark is true, we'll have to rewrite our textbooks 
because they have been written on the premise that the ark was a fairy tale. It's time to start writing. Men clamor for proof. Unfortunately for the unrepentant and unregenerated, they can't recognize proof. Carnal truth is constantly in a state of flux, but God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When God says yes, all truth will bow in confirmation. God's word is truth. God said, a global flood in the days of Noah. Man said, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Now you have the record.